Hello and welcome back to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast in which we talk about your freelancer issues and challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I run The Wheel Exists, which is a Squarespace web design and training business. And my name's Michelle Pratt, owner of Dive Deeper Development, which is also a training and coaching personal development business. Um, and, t- and today we're going to talk about getting friends and family on board. Katie, use the word coming out as a freelancer. And, yeah, and I wanted um, to check with you if that was allowed to say. <laughs> I don't know. I've come, I've come out once already of the, of the closet, <laughs> and I suppose I've had to come out a second time as a freelancer. I think we can use that, provided everyone knows we're very LGBT friendly here. We're not exactly. stealing any thunder. Um, yes, yes, I've come out once. Uh, probably that was a little bit harder than coming out as being freelance, but they're still both quite tricky. So, Katie, give me, give me your coming out story. <laughs> <laughs> well... It was a hard one. Um, so it, it was it was really interesting because I think the concept of me being a freelancer, people didn't have too much of a problem with. Um, I, I'd kind of already been working for a fairly kind of innovative company and I'd worked from home a little bit beforehand and things. So, so I think the actual kind of me being a freelancer wasn't too bad. But the, the, the thing that confused a lot of people is that I've had a long and storied path to where I am now. So I've had quite a lot of careers already. Um, so I, I was, um, I did a, um, my degree was in French. I did a master's in translation and I wanted to be a translator. But actually, interestingly, at that point, the only route really into translation was to be freelance. And at 21, I was just too scared to do it. And there wasn't any information about freelancing at that point, And we didn't get any support during our course either. So I kind of just shelved that idea and thought, oh, no, that sounds too scary. And then I was an estate agent and then I was a French teacher um, and then I worked in sustainability and I worked in sustainability for about seven years. And so my friends and family had just about got their heads around that I did something to do with the environment. And then all of a sudden I'm talking about web development and they're like, what, what, what? Because in their heads, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't gone into detail about what my role was within the, the nonprofits and charities I was working for. Um, so in the heads, I was like, oh, I, I work in sustainability. And so they were really confused when I start, suddenly started saying, oh, I'm doing web design. And they were like, you know, they didn't say to me, how are you qualified to do that when you haven't been doing it? And actually, the truth was, I had been doing it as part of my previous role. I'd been creating lots of little kind of microsites for different campaigns. And I've been managing the websites and a lot of their kind of IT systems. Um, and I and I'd evolved my role within the nonprofit to be much more techie um, but I think it was quite confusing for them not to have a really clear identifiable kind of job title um, I, you know a lot of my friends actually have quite normal jobs you know like a pharmacist or a teacher or an accountant or a uh, um, insurance broker and stuff like that and uh, you're like oh okay you say that you don't necessarily know exactly what their job involves but it's kind of a bit familiar and but no one really in my circles was freelance and so um I think they were quite confused and they and and they almost didn't know kind of how to talk to me about it because it was just was so unknown to them um yeah and I think I think you know some of the time like it can be it can be hard for friends and family to understand what your role is and but sometimes I think they also worry about how it's going to affect you and also how it's going to affect them as well so do you I think, think they worry about how it's going to affect them or like do you think do you think do you think they're worrying about about you I don't I, yeah I don't know 
I think I, I think in the case of a partner, it would be a legitimate worry. Perhaps if someone was going freelance, you know, to be worrying about how it would affect them. Um, I think if if your friends were used to if, if you were working in a job where before you left your work at home, uh, you know, left your work at work rather, and then went home and, you know, when you kind of were seeing people, you were kind of not thinking about work, you didn't have to kind of be kind of involved with your business for the whole time I know some people are really successful at keeping their freelancing hours between nine and five and then they switch off and they do not do anything else in the evenings and weekends but a lot of the time when freelancing actually we do do stuff outside of normal hours or we are a bit more flexible because the flexibility works both ways and so I think if people just I don't think they they even know what they're worried about but they might be worried about change and like oh you know will we still see you and you know you hear stories of startups and working ridiculous hours and there's that line of uh freelancers are the only people that will work 80 hours a week for themselves to avoid working 40 hours a week for someone else and you know you've got to hustle and I think there's a lot of myths and some of it a bit some of them are based in kind of real experience some of them aren't about what freelance life is like so I think people could be worried about the impact on them just in terms of how they'll see you know whether they'll see you what it'll be like to spend time with you if you if you used to work with people then is that going to change the dynamic with them I think so I think it's mainly concern for for us as freelancers but I think there is that little bit of like how's this going to affect me as well sometimes I I just think it's kind of the the not people not really knowing what it what it means I think is that it's, it's so intangible to a lot of people I, I used to work for a large corporate bank and I think you know most people who took redundancy or, or left the bank were going to another similar role so when you say no I'm going to go freelance I don't think people really understand what that means and I think to friends and family that could be very intangible and even like you know how it is Katie you go to parties or as, as we always do because we're always invited um oh, yeah the finest gowns <laughs> Yes. And, you know, people, I say, what do you do? I don't think they really want to know. It's being quite polite. And then they don't really, they, they can't really picture what it is that you do or where you go to work. Like you say, it's quite fixed ideas about work, what about what work is. And I think when you, when you start to, when you start to tell your friends, oh, I'm going self-employed, I guess they don't, they don't really know what it means. But also the other thing, or the other one is, I think that they expect you to like have a whole business plan ready. So I took voluntary redundancy. It was like, oh, uh, you looking for another job? No, no, I think I'm going to be self-employed. Oh, what are you going to do instead then? It's like, I don't know. Like literally I'm not even, I'm not even redundant yet, you know? I, I didn't have it all figured out. And I think sometimes when you don't have the answer, that could be quite a scary place. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that's something that our friend, our mutual friend um, Katia found was, you know, she left her job. She'd worked for the BBC for a long time um, and she left her job and she said, you know, I, I want to, again, she took, um, I think she took redundancy. Um, and I know I know she, she kind of gave herself some time and some space and she said, look, I want to work out exactly what I want to do. And I think it's something around social media, but I'm not sure. And I want to be sure. And she went she went down a couple of paths before she kind of really settled into into a role. And now she does Instagram training. Um, but she found that as well. I know that, you know, people kind of wanting her to make a decision already and be able yeah. to say like, oh yeah this is my job and even now she actually kind of has a focus just photography as well but now she's got this focus even then she finds it hard because a lot of people haven't can't understand what an Instagram trainer is and so she'll have people go what that's not a job she's like well it is because I I 
teach people and they give me money so yeah it is it's totally a job and I think I think she handled that probably slightly better than I did because I think when I first were self-employed I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I was telling people oh what do you want to do and I think I was able to tell them what I didn't want to do which was what I've just <laughs> been doing uh, that they understood but they said well what were you doing instead and I said well I, I, um, I, I don't know so I said still coaching and training but I want to do it freelance and they couldn't quite picture how that worked the problem was I couldn't picture out how that worked either because I had no clue and I, I got quite defensive and I know when I spoke to my mum and she I think she learned to back off but I mean she was obviously my parents you know very very worried about me you know having this secure job getting paid well great package all this kind of stuff getting very well respected got on really well and I think she was really scared well you know what what would she do for money was she for career is she going to be okay and I, I, you want to give that reassurance but I couldn't you know I I got quite defensive and I just went, oh, it's fine. And most how's work. I just got really shut down and I got really arsy and I just got really funny about people asking me about work like it was a big hassle. And I think that's probably a reflection of how I felt emotionally. And I think what I probably should have done with the wonderful benefit of hindsight, of course, is go, look, I don't know what I want to do, but I'm financially OK um, and I'm happy. And uh, I know that everything will work out, not because I know what the economy is going to be doing, but I have um <laughs> I have confidence in my skills. I have confidence in my talents and other people do it. And I think just to give myself that space to say, do you know what? I don't I haven't got it figured out yet. And I think that's what Katia did really well. She she just she said, no, I don't know. I'm just taking some time to work it all out, to be honest. And I think. Yeah, she was very open about the fact that she she was exploring all different options so that she didn't kind of pigeonhole herself too quickly into something yeah. she actually didn't really want to do. Um, I got defensive. <laughs> I, just front, I, I just fronted it out and got got defensive is how I do. I wouldn't recommend that avenue, to be honest with you. Well, the one thing I found was I sort of, I, I was a little bit, in, I, you know, even though I knew that I had some experience of doing web design, and we talked about this in the first episode a little bit where we talked about imposter syndrome, you know, w- when I first went freelance, I was very happy talking to clients about my services, but because I knew my friends wouldn't have any idea as to, how I would be qualified to do web design and some of my friends were also web designers and I hadn't really mentioned the, that aspect of my job previously to them and I didn't do it kind of all from scratch with code and stuff um, you know I'll say you Squarespace and so like I was a bit embarrassed about talking about it to my friends as well so I think I, I don't think I was defensive but I think I just didn't really tell them exactly what my job was and so they didn't really understand partly because I didn't tell them very well because I was a bit like oh like like so I think the first few people I told were a bit confused and so then I kind of made it into a thing and like oh okay well I can't tell people because they're going to think that I'm not qualified to be a web designer and actually one of the real kind of turning points for me was um through freelance work I met somebody who did um he he made a a video of me talking so like a kind of 60 second explainer video of me basically talking about who I was and what I do um for my website and so I put that on Facebook and said for all of you who aren't quite sure what my job is take a minute to watch this and I got so many comments going oh okay that makes sense oh I understand that oh brilliant oh actually I know I might know someone that needs your services and actually that really helped because it was able to kind of spread my network but it took you know it took a while for me to be able to get you know to write that script for 60 seconds was a big challenge because it's actually quite hard to articulate what you do so I think one of the things to think about is not just 
yeah how you know how do you kind of announce that you're freelance to family and friends and it but like yeah it it could be it's worth not doing an elevator pitch in terms of how you're selling to people but but finding a way to articulate what you do to strangers so that they can understand how you've got there from where you were before and like you say explaining that you're okay as well yeah a friend of mine did say I started off doing a completely different business and he said well before you leave your job tell your people about this new business you're thinking of doing now and he said post on social media and let people follow your journey and I think that's a really good tip I think if even if you don't know what you're doing you could just say look I don't know what I'm doing I haven't worked out yet but I'm on a voyage of discovery or however you want to put it and and then just put that journey on you know if your fans are family or friends are family on Facebook then why not just uh, you know put you in show you at a networking event or show the things that you're doing to discover and, and learn and rather than trying to make that leap or, or and as you say just come out just uh, you know just to slowly ease them in and help them see that you're, you're making positive strides I think I think that's probably the way I would do it if I were to do it again yeah and I think we probably think that people are going to be more concerned than they actually are sometimes as well um you know I think like I know I you know I was worried about what my dad was going to say even though he's he's pretty open-minded we generally think the same way about stuff he wants me to be happy like I was still a bit worried because I remember when I was going to leave when I left teaching um he was like oh but what about your pension um and so like uh you know and, and in general he's, he's so supportive he's always like if you're happy I'm happy but I was really worried to tell him in case he thought it wasn't sensible you know and I think that was but but he was fine like like and, and I think that's that's for me is the thing is like oh what if people think that it's a mistake and and I think as well when you're first starting out until you know if you're gonna make a success of it and that's a whole other episode I think for how do you define success um but until you know if it's actually kind of you know gonna be able to work as a business you might be a bit reluctant to tell people in case you then have to come back to them and go actually I failed and you know people get embarrassed by that we've got a whole episode where you know we we talk about failure failure yeah uh, you know I, and so and, and and why you know that, that was back in episode six it was one of the first topics we talked about and and I think we, we are really scared of failure and so I think that's one of the reasons why maybe we don't talk up our, talk ourselves up or talk about what we do because we don't want someone to ask us in three months time and then have to have the embarrassment of saying oh actually no that didn't work out and I, do you know what I made it difficult for me, I think, was other self-employed people, because, as you know, well, you may not know, I'm sure you do, but that when you first go self-employed and let's say you want to be a coach or you want to be, uh, I don't know, anything, a consultant for something, there are always people out there offering mailing lists who are offering you advice. And we talked about this in our advice avalanche episode. Oh, yeah, that was episode 15, yeah. It was like vultures, you know, waiting to yeah. go, you know, giving you advice. And they give you these really really good tips and they are brilliant tips like you need an elevator pitch you need to identify your your ideal customer avatar and you need to have this and if you don't do this you haven't got a business and uh you know you look at that well, I did anyway and go well I don't know what I want to do I don't know who my customers are I don't quite know exactly which part of this thing I'm going to specialize in selling oh my god I haven't got a business so I was really quite <laughs> close off I got quite defensive it's like because I didn't know and I felt when I went to networking events oh I'm a coach oh what kind of coach it's like I, I didn't know and you just have I, I had I think far too easily let people's 
kind of well-intentioned advice ring in my ears and you know almost tell me you know well if you haven't got this then you haven't really got a business you don't know what you're doing and um, that kind of made me more closed off and more defensive and more embarrassed and I think I probably could have done with hanging out with more people like freelance folk or more self-employed people who I would love someone to have said it's okay if you don't know what it is that you want to do just tell people that you haven't quite nailed it yet and um because all the all the advice will say you've got to decide this you've got to decide that you've got to decide the other and I Find think sometimes people are well meaning yeah like, I mean I understand why it's give advice that's given and and in the long term it makes sense but like it's so unhelpful when people say oh find your niche when you've just set up and you're like well it might take me a little while to narrow it down so you almost kind of have like if you if if you know your niche already then brilliant if you don't know what it is you have to kind of craft a bit of a wider net and then narrow it down through trial and error a lot of the time and then figure out what your niche is like not everyone knows who their kind of ideal focus target market is to start off with so I think yeah definitely it's it's that like advice avalanche like well we said can make you a bit nervous about talking about yourself not just to friends and family but actually to other freelancers and that is a good point actually that it's it's yeah. not just it's getting your, your new kind of your new friends and your new family in the freelance world getting them on board and I think it's about finding the right community for you in that sense yeah. as well definitely I think one thing that helps with that is just to explain people your why I find when I'm coaching people particularly um sometimes when they particularly they've gone the redundancy route they are moving away from what they don't want but they don't necessarily what they do want instead now that does make describing what you're doing as a freelancer quite difficult to articulate to other people if you don't yet have your elevator pitch but what I would say about that is just just explain your why to people you know your reason your purpose for going self-employed for me it was work-life balance I was feeling burnt out and stressed and I wanted to be to have more time with uh, friends and family and I wanted to yeah just get that my, my health and my well-being back in, in, in balance rather than work, overworking and I think just explaining that I just wasn't happy and I just felt that that there was more I had to offer and that I was sick of some of the work that I'm doing and I wanted to be able to choose my work so I couldn't tell you what I wanted to do but I could tell you why I wanted to make that shift and I think to be fair friends and family could see that I wasn't happy and they could see physically I was three stone heavier I was four dress sizes bigger and I looked constantly tired I was run down and had dry cracked skin all the time and I and people have seen me since being self-employed and go yeah you look happy (laughs) so much better so I think people get that if nothing else and like you say Katie I think as long as you I think with parents um it's or people close to you I think it is just saying look I'm not going to starve I haven't just done this off the cuff um it's not a whim I I I have some money put aside um or I have some work that I've identified quite early doors I'm kind of quietly uh, laughing to myself right now because mine was kind of on a whim and I didn't have any money set aside and I didn't have any clients lined up (laughs) okay so talk me through that one then so how did you explain that to people I think I basically I, I did I worked quite a long notice period at my job and kind of gradually went down on my hours at my previous job so I was I I was kind of able to ease myself into to freelancing and it also meant that I was able to kind of hide the fact that I was freelancing for a little bit so it gave me a few months I think I did four months notice in the end um and until I went full-time freelance in the the February And, and and so it was it I was then able to kind of have those four months to work out what I was doing and actually what I originally planned to do when I first 
sort of you know the the day after I the day after I decided and said to my boss look I think I want to go freelance you know I started to think about what I could do and and I had a completely different idea of what I was going to do um to what I actually ended up doing and so I'm quite glad that I didn't tell people on that very first day because it would have ended up being completely different and so I think actually for me it was really helpful to have a bit of time to figure it out for myself before I broadcast it to the world like I told the people that were closest to me who'd maybe they, they maybe knew it had been on the cards for a little while with me thinking about leaving my work um but but yeah I I had I had I, it wasn't a whim I'd been I think the idea had been bubbling away in my mind for a little bit without me kind of realizing. Um, so like a few of my colleagues had left to set up their own businesses. My boss was a really inspiring person who had her own business. And I was surrounded by all of these women who had their own businesses. And I was kind of like, I want a piece of that. Um, and so it was just kind of, yeah, it just, it just got to a point and I just suddenly had this thing of like, yeah, no, I want, I want that. And it was quite, it was quite sudden. Um, I, you know, I hadn't, worked up to it it was a bit like in conversation with my boss I basically worked out that was what I wanted and told her at that point that was what I wanted and she was really supportive of me um and so then I had to go okay right I need to work out what's happening with with clients and yeah I didn't didn't have any money set aside um I put a lot of a lot of stuff on my credit card which I wouldn't advise everyone doing but it you know it it enabled me to start up um yeah in in that case, though, Katie, I revised what I just said. I still think what I just said was the sensible thing. But I would say, but but I think anyone who's met you wouldn't doubt that you were going to be okay. I suppose is what I'm thinking because yeah, I think it's that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I was like, worst case scenario, I'll go back and get another job. Like I wasn't exactly. You're worried. sensible. Yeah. You're sensible. You've got skills. You're not an idiot. You know, you're a responsible person. And maybe that's the thing to emphasize. Like you say, I'll stack shelves if I have to in the meantime or yeah. whatever. Just just reassure people that I think that you've not taken but, leave of your senses. Yeah. And actually for me, because I've changed careers so many times already, it wasn't a huge shock. And people know I'm impulsive. So it wasn't a huge shock that I was changing jobs again. It was more what I was doing that confused people. So I think there was there was no it was you know if I'd been in the same job, so, so my my other half he was in the same job for I think 17 years before he went freelance, and the people that knew him knew that he had this kind of real entrepreneurial desire going on. But a lot of people that were kind of you know one step removed and acquaintances or colleagues rather than close friends were really surprised and they thought you know he'd be there for life and 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 so that that was more of a shock to people. Um, than than me who you know has had more jobs than hot dinners so I think that yeah. was the other thing I think it's getting easier. I've, I was just looking at the Ipsy figures here. I think these days it is getting a little bit easier to explain to people. So according to Ipsy, 4.4 million people are freelance or solo, or solo self-employed is the word they use. So it's about 14% of the entire workforce. So I think it's becoming a little more easier. You may have seen on the BBC, I don't know if you saw, they did an article about remote working and freelancing. Um, featuring you, come, Michelle Pratt. Featuring me, might have done, yeah. And uh, you've done quite a few, quite a bit of publicity as well, yeah. Katie, on the same same subject and um, it is becoming more well known and of course with the rise of co-working spaces but um, so I think it's easier in that sense people are kind of getting the idea even those in employment are 
working remotely and they're kind of living the, the the freelance lifestyle without the perks exactly but, people uh, have side <laughs> muscles now as well so. yes <laughs> yeah so they do but I, th- I just want to show a story if you're trying to explain it to people you're trying to put minds at ease of friends or family or whatever then one of the things um i'll share you with you is i read a book um entrepreneurial you by dory clark now she's done a few books and she she does um articles and blogs for uh, various massive publications in the states and she talked about an interesting thing in her book and she said that she first tra- trained as a journalist um quite some time ago many many years ago before the risk before the financial crash happened and she studied for all these years she finally got a job as a journalist on a major newspaper and she thought that's it now i'm in a secure job um i'm, I'm, I'm sorted this is great and then the financial crash happened and she was last in therefore she was first out when they started laying off staff and she said that she'd realized that actually you know um that she thought having a job was security but it wasn't because that meant someone could sack her at any time when she went freelance she said what she realized was that being freelance and having skills valuable skills that people are willing to pay for is real security because you'll always be able to sell them uh, to people and not only having those skills but having experience of being able to sell your wares to other people and if we look at where the economy is going to friends and family being freelance might feel less secure but actually I think this is the way a lot of employment is going to go so if you are currently at the moment if you are identifying your marketable skills and you're developing the skills to market them to sell them to give satisfaction to your clients then you have a skill that's going to put you ahead of the game I think inevitably more people find themselves in this position so if you're equipped to compete you'll always be able to generate income because you'll always be able to make or provide something that people need and I think in the current climate, that's probably makes you a little bit more secure than someone who works for a large company, for example. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree with that as well. Like the the kind of the weird, like entrenched myth of, yeah, jobs, paid employed jobs are security. It's ridiculous. And, you know, like you, Michelle, you and I are uh, both uh, moving house, uh, buying new house at the moment, dealing with mortgage companies and, um, I don't know how much eye rolling you've had to do. My, my, my mortgage company has been brilliant because we're transferring our mortgage just between properties. So it's actually been quite straightforward. Um, but I know if we were applying for a new mortgage, then they would not look as kindly on our freelance income as if we were, you know, compared to if we were employed because it's still perceived as less secure in those kind of corporate worlds and in, in that kind of mindset. Whereas I think, yeah, exactly. We, we've got the ability to not not just to sell and market ourselves, but I think a lot of freelancers have changed what they offer along their freelance journey based on demand and they've been able to kind of pivot um to use a bit of an industry term um you know to just makes me think of friends when they're moving that sofa (laughs) (laughs) pivot yeah i know what you mean though we know when the market changes the economy changes you can we we can we've got the flexibility because you know we can move more quickly than a big lumbering organization can we don't have to go through procedures and sign off and take the decision to the board we can make a decision and take advantage of an opportunity like that and we don't have to consult with anybody else and so we've got those skills so that even if you know if 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 for me if squarespace went bust tomorrow which i don't see happening um but you know if they did or or if a new website building tool i mean there was one that was a few years ago that never actually kind of came to anything but it was supposed to be kind of artificial intelligence website building so you just kind of put in your 
your copy and your images and, and it created a website that it thought you should have now it didn't work out very well but I don't think we're far are off far off being there and so there is potentially going to be less of a demand but you know I'm confident that in that eventuality I will find a way to still make myself marketable and stay freelance because quite frankly I'm not employable anymore so exactly yeah exactly that and I think that's key so I think that's something you can say say to friends or family if if, if they're sort of expressing reservations about you going it alone hopefully just convince them that you have got it in you but also that actually in the way the economy is going this actually is that you're possibly more secure rather than less and ultimately I think that's what friends and, and family really worry about is is whether you're going to be okay and I think that's it's just that reassurance I suppose and the other thing I suppose with friends and family is almost the opposite of of actually them uh, yeah I don't know if you've, if you've experienced this Michelle but um you know I, I've heard people talk about actually when I went freelance people just thought I had all this free time and so you know my my parents wanted me to come around more often because I had I didn't have a job so I was free in the day and they're retired and so they wanted to see me and and oh you know my friends wanted to meet me for coffee and uh you know people whose friends are on my turn to leave were like oh come and join us and um and and so actually there's the kind of other side of of kind of explaining what you do to friends and family to say yes I have more flexibility with how I spend my time and I will spend some of my time going for coffee (laughs) and and going for meetings and things but I don't actually have anymore you know my I have to still work during the day or if I take half an hour out to meet you one day it doesn't mean I can do that all the time have you ever had to do any of that managing kind of expectations yeah yeah do you know I had a really good conversation with my mum about this and this is where it really clicked for me when we talked about the pressure because my mum was my mum would say are you working or are you working from home and it's like they are the same things okay (laughs) but she kind of got it and then I had a really good conversation with her one day and I think that was the turning point and I just said just to explain that I felt like this guilt from being at home when my partner was working but I was also working um but I felt like this pressure and actually my parents turned out they understood a lot more my mum my mum took early retirement very early on she had quite a stressful job so she she left and she said she said I know exactly what you mean she said I, I was off work but then your nan came to live with us for a bit she said your sister got married and uh, therefore I ended up doing more work around the home I ended up doing more stuff for your sister's wedding and do, taking on a care responsibility I was rushed off my feet she said then she said you go out with her mates and her mates would be like oh you don't work Caroline you can uh, you can organize the, the the weekend away and she said she'd never been so exhausted in her life and she was really quite sick of the fact that that, that she would get this pressure and then she said my dad would come home and go well what have you been doing all day thinking that she'd be sitting there with her feet up and of course she hadn't and um, she knew exactly what it felt like and then my dad took early retirement um, as well and then he'd be at home all day and some of his friends were still working and then he'd, ha- he'd feel he'd have to justify his existence to his mates <laughs> and explain the stuff he'd been doing so it turned out that both my parents actually know what that feels like and it was quite quite good to hear so yeah I've had that a bit I, I think um, kind of felt a bit especially my partner at first as well it's like I haven't been putting my feet up all day I've been doing this that and the other and even if you've gone for coffee it's like well yes I'm meeting a potential client so kind of you know coffee and rapport is kind of a really important thing so yeah totally and you mentioned partners I suppose that that's a slightly different element of the the family and friends and getting them on board and actually I guess that's somebody they need to be on board almost before you take the leap most of the time and then you know stay on board whilst you're freelancing in the highs and lows of it so how how have you 
how manage that or what advice would you give to somebody if you're thinking about going freelance or you've just gone freelance in terms of making sure that your partner is really kind of supportive of you even if they're a kind of a supportive partner what can you do to help them to really help you so yeah partners I think the, the key advice there is as we've done as a bit of a theme Katie is I think just to just communicate so for me uh, as we've discovered today mine was more of a, cons- a considered step into, into self-employment and yeah it's a big decision so I took it with my, my wife and we talked about the impact what that would be uh, what how much redundancy money I'd have how long we could uh, survive on that um, but also I guess she also knew how unhappy I was and, and what I really wanted so I think communication is big I, I, I would I would talk in depth about why you want to do it so again explain explain your why to your to your partner and, and actually why why this is important to you and what you want to get out of it so is it more free time because you don't want them to dump you with all the household tasks um, or is it about just personal growth or development that make sure you get them on board but, but also I I think you're going to have to talk to your partner about you know what will the impact be on them so will they go because because in our case I suppose it went from me being the breadwinner to my wife now actually we both have good jobs it's not a problem but you know is there then pressure on them to make money but also will it impact on your time as well so does it mean working different hours are you prepared to work evenings and weekends um and actually if they're the only times that your partner is off um, does that mean they're going to get to see less of you and things like that and of course I think you've got to talk about money uh which there's no avoiding it actually so I think we talked you know in, in general terms about money that we were going to be okay and we had enough and we could work it all out and so on and so forth but I we never really got down to the level of household bills and of course now we've we've mentioned in our previous podcast about moving house and of course now, now you've got to go to the mortgage broker or the mortgage company and talk about money and I think actually it, it may affect things like that in the future as well so if you've got plans for a wedding for a mortgage for getting a loan you're going to have to sort of consider those things as well so it affects the both of you and I think it's it's really about getting them uh, on board as well um so Katie were you in a relationship when you went self-employed yeah yeah I was yeah um we'd we'd been together for about two or three years at that point I think probably um and I had I had sort of mentioned the idea before you know it was it was a kind of it was an impulse decision to go freelance when when I kind of had the epiphany when I was chatting to my boss and said right yeah I'm going to do it um but I had been you know you know thinking mulling the idea over a little bit um, already um so I think it wasn't a huge shock to my partner when I came home and I said way I've had a conversation with my boss and decided I'm going to go freelance (laughs) is that okay um because we had already talked about it and he was you know there's a lot about the my previous job that I loved but there was a lot about it that I didn't love and I think he could see that I was struggling with some of it and so you know I think going back to what we said about friends and family ultimately what they want is for you to be happy but like you were saying you have to talk about the the reality of it so we'd I'd sort of I'd sort of been thinking about it for a little while and so we'd been um we'd been quite and I'd gone down to be part-time at my job at one point um for uh, for about six months and I deliberately gone full-time again and um made sure that I was I'd been full-time for a bit before we got the mortgage so and I think any kind of ideas that I might have had about 
freelancing I was quite like right I want to get the house bought first before I even think about it so I hadn't really allowed myself to think about it I don't think and then once we bought the house and kind of you know got over that initial expense of that always seems to come with house buying and put you know after, even after you've moved in um and we felt a bit more settled I think that's when in my mind it almost allowed me to start thinking about it so a bit similar to when we when we moved to Anglesey really it was like I kind of hadn't allowed myself to start thinking about it until my partner went self-employed and it was at that point that I was just like oh my gosh I hadn't realized how much I really want this and until until it was an option for me so I think your brain kind of sometimes stops you from wanting things you can't have um but he was really supportive and you know yeah financially he did support me in the early years of setting up you know he was employed on a, in a sensible job um and, and I remember at the time when we talked about money like before I went freelance and but also in the first in the first couple of years when you know when when financially it wasn't easy um and and my cash flow was quite tight and I wasn't you know wasn't really charging enough in my first year certainly um I'd say to him oh I'm so sorry I'm not pulling my weight and I felt really guilty about it so I think that's one thing with partners is you know and, and it works you know for it doesn't matter what gender it is it's not about you know oh is is the are you meant to be bringing in more money as the man and things like that like like it's no matter how what gender you are this is something that seems universal from people who are in a relationship who are freelancers that the person who goes freelance and earns less money feels a bit bad about it at times yeah. um and like a bit like oh no I'm, I'm i just kind of leeching off you or whatever and it's something that seems to be more prevalent in freelancing than in, in when when like you know and Sadly, it's traditionally the woman who is in the lower paid job a lot of the time because of childcare or whatever, um, you know, as in l- earning less money overall. Um, somehow it doesn't feel like that's like I, 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 I've never earned a lot of money, but I didn't have a problem with it until I went freelance. And, and then when I was freelance, I really felt like, oh, I'm not earning enough. And I think it's because it was more in my power to earn more. Um, and so, yeah, we did have to have a conversation about money. And he said well I'm supporting you now but who knows in like a few years time I not my, my I might not be at my job and and you might be supporting me and at the time I was like oh no way like you'll always have a really good sensible job and um you know he's he's got quite niche skills that would be in, in demand um and, and he hadn't really mentioned freelancing at that point or you know being an entrepreneur at that point um, and so I was like yeah right but then actually of course it happened and and now that's the position that we're in where he's you know uh he's he's working full-time on our joint business and I'm working you know here and there part-time on it but most of my work is earning money through my web design stuff and I'm now the the breadwinner as it were uh yeah and so it the does it does, is a funny thing isn't it yeah I win the bread the carbs are mine yeah <laughs> but I think yeah exactly that that talking about money I think it helped that I already had some flexibility in my previous job in terms of working from home and the working hours so he was used to me working from home he was used to me working slightly random hours sometimes so that was quite good yeah I think the breadwinner breadwinner thing's funny because I wasn't in in a good good job with good pay uh with with a good package and for me the money thing I was I never thought of myself as being someone who was bothered by money but I did feel really guilty for not earning as much even though we didn't really spend what I earned before and actually the payoff was the hours that I worked and the effort that I put in how tired I was so um 
yeah that that was kind of a thing and then just we we have swapped like the breadwinner role not that we're that far i mean it's two women maybe there's less of a less of a sting in the tail with that one but we did we did just swap the breadwinner role many times throughout our relationship so i think that's probably helped us but it still feels a bit weird and i think that's something to discuss with your partner like how do you feel and how do they feel but uh, i also think how do you talk about that to others because i don't know if you found this katie but I, we found that other people were saying to to bex oh well you're the breadwinner now and that was actually quite awkward for her to handle but it was also quite awkward for me because it compounded my guilt which does it doesn't help but also for her you know once she made a comment and she wasn't trying to be funny about it but um people were making comments someone made a jokey comment about she's a breadwinner i'm just at home putting my feet up and she she made a comment to laugh it off but it made me feel like crap and afterwards she said, i'm so sorry i was just caught in an awkward moment yeah, I said, I yeah. know. and i know i get it i get it but when we, we inevitably face that again can we can we come up with a different response so I think sometimes you need to talk about how are we going to handle that I know people will make those remarks and I know they don't mean anything by it but it's not very helpful and I think we just had a bit of a chat about how do we how do we handle that and uh, yeah I think a lot of it's verbalizing it I think yeah and I think for me it was about saying like I'm not expecting you to sacrifice your mm. lifestyle just because I'm learning less money even if it means you have to kind of you know help help me out in the quiet times a little bit financially in the first few years like I'm not I'm not making demands of you like you know like my, my other half goes on holiday with his mates every summer and like I would never want to like have an impact on that you know I'd never I'd never want to I'd never want my freelancing to mean that he can't do that so yeah it, it's like and just things like that I, just, I, I think it's kind of about making sure that like there's not a worry of like oh okay well if we if we struggle financially you know let, let's let's talk together about how we'll make it work and what is important and how we'll make sure that we do actually still get to do the things that are important to us and and I think that's that's uh, you know that kind of positive way of of spinning it um and looking at the the positive I know Michelle you read um rich dad poor dad recently didn't you yeah um, yeah am I right in thinking that that was the kind of that they had that that one of the things in the book was them talking about um rather than going oh we can't oh, afford, I can't this. afford it yeah how can how can I afford it yeah yeah how can I afford it that kind of conversation to say like okay if this in the worst case scenario if you earned no money for three months in a row what would we do how would we manage how would we make it work and actually having that conversation beforehand rather than not having it and waiting until it happens and then it's really stressful is better yeah I think definitely have it up front and, and and make sure that's kind of all agreed and yeah what are you willing to give up are you going to do a budgeting exercise as a couple or or, or you know are, are you going to stay as you are I mean also I guess Casey that throws up you talked about him not sacrificing his lifestyle I mean I we were in a, well, I don't know about you but we had a joint account so we were kind of very much together for a very long time so it's like well this we don't really have her money my money we just kind of had our money everything was all in together so I, I guess it's, it's what does that mean for your disposable income and, and again a lifestyle thing as well and I suppose that to an extent that might even extend to friends because if you've got less money to go out with your friends you can't go out the lash anymore or if all your friends still are in what quite well paid jobs working for corporates are you going to still live the same lifestyle or not so I guess there's a, a bit of communication to do with your mates as well but again it comes back to what I was saying before I think when you're communicating um 
with friends as a couple, then I guess there's just, yeah, just to bring your friends on board so that maybe they understand what you're doing and they're not um, making remarks that make it weird for you as a couple either. Yeah. And I think one of the things that this, I mean, this was back when I was employed, but it, it works just as well for freelancers. So when I, when I first started my previous job, my my last ever, hopefully, you know, employed job, um, my role was very different to what it ended up being. So when I first started, um, it was much more uh, manage, project managing the educational nonprofit arm of the of the company, and it was it was very much education focused with my teaching background all around sustainability. So there was a lot of um, going out and doing workshops, um, setting up online learning stuff, but creating the content for it as well. Um, and on paper, that that should have been my perfect job. It took all of the bits from my background all together and and um, you know, my sustainability and my, my teaching, maybe not my French, but, uh, you know, brought a lot of stuff together. But actually, when I realised I enjoyed the web stuff so much more, I had a chat with my boss and said, look, I, I really love working for the company. I don't want to leave, but I'm not really enjoying my job. What I would like to do would be to change it to do this and, you know, uh, be, you know, up, up, update the website, have much more focus on the website, and but also just help make sure we're using the right technology that we need to be using and try and save us some money through like through kind of using different software and stuff like that um and so she was like yeah fine not a problem but what you have to do is do a PR job on your new role because it's it's new your colleagues aren't gonna know what you know it's not none of them have been expecting this necessarily your colleagues aren't going to know what this new job is they're going to be worrying about what's going to happen about until we find somebody new like like they're not going to understand what value you're bringing they're not going to understand what you know what your job is and so your job is to do yeah a bit of a a bit of a PR for for your job and that was just really good advice I thought because it it just meant that whenever I was talking about the change in the role I, I was just really aware of making sure that I said all the benefits that it was going to bring to people so you know if I was like oh actually yeah well one of the things I'm going to look at is like this and then this is going to help to save you time because it's going to automate this process and then you won't have to do that anymore and and so I think the same can be said for freelancing is that we have almost have to do a little bit of a PR job on on when we first go freelance to, to people not spinning it in a way that is like false but in a way that is actually highlighting what the benefits are and and sort of yeah talking about why it's good and and how we're happy but also the benefits to the to other people yeah definitely I, I think it, and that can that can be hard when if you don't know what that that is but I think just wherever you are on the journey or whether it looks like at that point in time do the PR job you can change it a few months later you know if, if, yeah. if it does take a different turn I don't think I don't think what you don't have to nail your colors to the mast and I think that's a, a, a concern people have when they first go freelance when they're trying to explain to people like whatever tell people I'm a web designer but um, I, I do more SEO or whatever you know it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you end up yeah and I think going back to the discussions with the partner you know if it's before or at the early stages of going freelance then having that honest conversation and about the benefits and everything but actually then also being willing to say to set an expiry date or a deadline on it to say right do you know what if if I'm not making x if I'm not making enough for us to get by by this point I'll go and get a job and and so having having something concrete and setting setting a, a, you know drawing a line in the sand not to say that that has to then stay permanently that way if you're kind of 50 quid short of your target you're not going to be like all oh, right I'll stack it all off then 
but like you know to say to say right okay let's reassess in three months and see where we're up to and then look at our finances or look at our time or look at our well-being or or whatever it is and then and and I think be willing to change or get a part-time job or something if it's not working yeah you can always flex nothing is nothing is permanent you could always go back the other way but then at the same by the same token though don't let that be an excuse for someone to to press you into going back either and no, Katie one no. other thing I Katie, one other thing I just sort of bring I suppose I, if you can just tell people what you need and I think we talk about money or the practicalities like I suppose chores around the house how much time free time you've got but I think another thing to discuss with people is the emotional roller coaster and you you might not know what's going on with you with that to begin with but I think it, it is an emotional roller coaster and 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 think people increasingly understand but I think the other thing you've got to be good at as well as the PR bit about your job is to communicate to people what you need so when my wife first came back at the end of the day you know I'd she'd say hi how was your day and I'd be like blah, 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 and I tell her every <laughs> single thing that I did well and then I opened a cupboard and then I got out a bowl and then I did some soup because um, I was just desperate for someone to, to talk to and so just saying to her, look, I've been in the house all day. Can we go out of an evening? Or I haven't really spoken to many people all day. Do you mind if we go to the pub? Or I really, there's something going on. I, I'd really like to you know, go to the cinema or something because I've been cooped up all day. And I think just communicating to your partner what you need. If you need time to do some work on a weekend or if you need to go out of the house or if you need to speak to people or if you need to be on your own, actually, just to digest some stuff. I think just you've got to get really good at communicating what you need emotionally and personally I mean you should do that in a relationship anyway but I think for, to friends family to partners as you're going on that emotional roller coaster I think you're going to have to you know really verbalize what it is that you need from the people around you yeah and how they can help as well because I think that's the one thing I found is that my friends even though they didn't entirely understand what what I did they still really wanted to help and so actually if and a lot of the time there's not that much they can do but if you can find little ways for them to help then that that makes them feel good and also potentially does benefit you as a business so you know for me I don't tend to post that much stuff on my personal social medias you know about I don't tend to post that much about work stuff on my own like Facebook not that I use it much but like when I first started out I used Facebook a lot more uh, but every so often, like for something where actually spreading the word was really helpful. So when I did workshops, for example, and, you know, face to face events are notoriously hard to get people booking in. Um, so that's when I would say, actually, if anybody is up for sharing this, that would be really helpful. And I did then get a few people register as a result of my friends sharing it through their own networks. And so, you know, giving people ways to help you is is just a kind of yeah a no brainer. Yeah, even just putting in a phone call or, have, you know, if it's OK for you to text them when you're having yeah. a bit of a, a panic, then I think just small things like that will make people feel good. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so a few things about how to how to talk to talk to friends and family about coming out as a as a freelancer or just basically t- explaining to people what you do and the intricacies of it. Katie, have you got any any other tips that you would give to give to people? I think just I I think the only other thing I'd say is make sure to remember to celebrate with people so it's it's kind of not quite the same as the PR thing but like I think people really want to know your ongoing success so you might when you first start out you might be you say oh yeah I'm okay I'm okay but actually you know give people tell people what's going well celebrate what's going well 
beyond just your freelance community so i'm i'm really guilty of doing this like i i will kind of within my freelance community i'll talk quite happily about what's gone well and i'll i'll kind of celebrate myself and successes and stuff but then to my friends and family i don't tend to do it and i'm not really sure why i don't know if i'm a bit embarrassed or i don't know even though i know they're the people that would be really excited for me um so i think share your successes with people and let, help them to celebrate with you so then they can kind of on, on an ongoing basis they can see oh yeah yeah you're okay everything's good what about yeah. you any any final tips or is there was one is there one thing that if people were just gonna do one thing to get family and friends on board what would it be yeah well do you know what I, I the only thing I'd probably add here is that and I've kind of hinted at it but I um I was really quite scared about telling people and I was struggling because I think they were so worried about is she gonna be okay hey what is it you do have you got enough work that I kind of kept them at arm's length I got quite defensive as I said I think if looking back I would probably just be more vulnerable more quickly so like you say Katie be really kind of open and share those successes and those celebrations and I think it makes it easier than if you do have a bit of a quiet spell or a down patch you can then go to people and and tell them that and I think actually when you tell people when you're struggling I think like you say they're willing to help but it doesn't feel too oppressive or too imposing if perhaps you've been more open and communicative all along if you share yeah. the successes as well they realize it's just a blip and it's easier for you to be open up about it but I would definitely be more open about what's difficult quicker I, I wouldn't feel the need to defend it or get you know or, or try and hide embarrassed it. Yeah. about it yeah yeah well we'd love to hear as always how you've dealt with this particular freelance problem our lovely audience so if you've got any tips or funny stories or anything like that we'd love to hear them um you can get in touch with us on social media at the wheel exists it's me katie and i'm and dive deep depth dvp and, uh, also, and you'll find me there on twitter or facebook yeah also I, I me and michelle have been talking about for ages since we started this we need some kind of uh we need some kind of like shared presence for this podcast the reason we haven't got anything is because we've literally been stuck trying to think of a twitter handle for it so we'd like to set up a twitter handle or something so that you can reach out directly rather than try to have to like understand what michelle's twitter handle is or remember what mine is uh, we'd like to have something but we're really stuck so within twitter's like i think it's 15 character limit if you've got any ideas of what twitter handle we could use for this podcast let us know um and we, we've also been thinking about setting up possibly a website don't hold us to this but we've been thinking about setting up a website so that you can then access everything all in one place and we can actually start linking to the things that we talk about and having some show notes and things like that so uh, watch this space is all i shall say Brilliant. Cheers, Katie. Well, that's the end of our podcast uh, today, guys. Thank you so much. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of 99 Problems, but a boss ain't one.